Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. We'll do another drunk stories again soon. Some of the drunk stories we hear, that enough, you look out and you think, how are these people still alive? And then you hear about them nearly dying whilst attempting to play sport as well. You're like, it's just a calamity, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's a comedy of errors. It is, mate. That. I think I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. I've got the looks. The drives are cool. While I've got the mood. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever and whenever you may be listening. This is Chain Wrestling with Mags and Sai. I am the uh, slightly in pain because I'm incredibly unfit Sai. Um, and with me, as always, is the American badass to my dead man, the heartbreak kid to my Zoolander. They're both Ben Stiller films, okay? I'm not struggling for ideas this week. It's very clever when you think about it, all right? <laughs> A podcaster who says he knows all about being in your house. He often is while you sleep. Mr. Mags, how are we doing this week, my friend? Allegedly, I would like to add an allegedly <laughs> to that. Uh, there is no evidence, and you can't prove any of it. So there, uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, uh, I'm in a weird mood, uh, to be honest. I mean, I mean, we were literally just talking uh, previously to to uh, recording, and yeah, I'm a bit baffled by this whole kind of European Super League. It's and it's finding uh, a little bit hard to process. But uh, I got to. Uh, uh, watch some wrestling, and we'll get to have a, a bit of a chat about that. So yeah, it's a a bit of a brief uh, a brief respite from that. I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the whole European Super League thing, as, as like you said, we were talking just before we sort of pressed the red button. It, it's not something that at the moment looks like it'll be a positive thing for what they call the beautiful game. Um, mm-hmm. I adore football like my whole family adores football it could potentially you know rip the heart out of the sport altogether i suppose but as we said before and mags what can we do about it it's all about the big money men we don't get a say anymore do we correct absolutely correct it's a a sad sad state of affairs uh but as in as in every aspect of life uh money over everything so Mm -hmm. It's something we'll we'll essentially have to deal with it. Even if we don't like it, uh, it's going to happen because yeah. uh, the clubs have have all the cards. Very much so. Very much so. Um, speaking of football, then um, I obviously said at the very beginning in the in the little intro we do there that I'm in pain because I'm incredibly unfit. <laughs> um, I started my new job this week, Max, ah. or last week. Sorry, um, I started tell. on the Wednesday. Um, But I made a huge, huge judgment error, a huge uh, mistake. I went for a kick around with my middle daughter who who plays football for 
a couple a couple of different teams. She's played for the school, she's played for the city and so on. Um her season is starting back up again. I locked down to being eased. And um she asked me to go along and have a little kick around with her over the field just to make sure she, you know, she knock off a bit of rest, I guess. I I don't know. Um I went over there, I felt pretty good at the time. I don't know if I'd not drank as much the night before. I felt a bit sprightly, Mags. And um I, I acted like I was, I suppose, maybe twenty years old again. Um sadly when I woke up the following morning from my first day at my new job, um I felt more like I was eighty years old. My ankle was like the size of a balloon or a rugby ball or something. Uh, my back was killing me. And I spent the whole of the second half of my first day at work with literally everybody I know there now, my new colleagues saying to me, hey, are you all right, mate? Because I was walking around like, I don't know, like some sort of mangled up old man with my foot dragging behind me. Yeah. <laughs> the bells. Yeah, the oh, bells. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly like that exactly like that so that was not a a good judgment call and the thing is as well you know it's quite humbling as well to be fair when your 14 year old daughter is already a much much better player than you ever were you know <laughs> let alone now <laughs> you know it's <laughs> so the fact that the fact that i've crippled myself the day before my new when you start date for my new job is quite uh quite the error i think quite the quite the you know bad judgment on my part um it, it went okay though mate you know it's, it's similar to what i was doing before um it's only part-time at the moment so it doesn't massively affect the income into the house but it's a foot in the door so yeah it, it went okay bud it went okay um how's your week been my friend uh yeah not too bad um uh, we've had some rather clement weather so we've uh Spent a lot of it in the in the garden. Um, we had some fun UFC and Triller events this week. Uh, I don't know if you were uh, a, hop, a, a hit with the kids or, or not, sir, but uh, Jake Paul, uh, uh, YouTube sensation, I would assume. Um, he had a, I want to say, boxing match. It wasn't really a boxing match, but, yeah, I ended up watching that card, which was... Uh, it was entertaining, but for for pretty much all the wrong reasons. Uh, and then today we've uh, we've had our electric um, car charging port fitted. Uh, oh yeah, which, yeah. Which uh, I mean, we 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 signed up for the car a, a while ago, but obviously with it being a, a new car, it takes a while to be delivered. And but it's feeling real now. Uh, that we're we're making the switch, um, we're getting a little bit kind of nervous about switching away from petrol because obviously you you you're used to it, um, and the fact that we're now uh, going to have a, a electric, yeah, it's it's going to be new and different and uh, kind of exciting, but also quite worrying that we'll we'll need to have a, a, a shed load of double uh, A batteries to to get on with <laughs> from standard somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> See, I I wasn't actually going to talk about this because I mentioned my stupid cat fairly often on the show. Everyone's fully aware of how dumb <laughs> Lemmy can be. The cat immunity oh, centre. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Next um, to the no dogs allowed, Sam. Yeah, that, just sat there that was everyone. brilliant. <laughs> he That's an awesome shit, picture. <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> um, but I don't think we could have an electric car here, me, me and me and my lady, my wife here, purely because of Lemmy. Today and yesterday, he well basically I'm I'm in the house and I yesterday there was the beeping of the horn and the revving of the engine brought me out the front of the house. Um, today it was literally just shouting from my wife. So on both occasions I've got up, looked out the window. She's half 
sort of we've got a little driveway that fit, just like fits the car on outside the front of our house right mm-hmm. and she's she's half in the driveway my wife in the car and the other half the, the ass end of the car is sticking out across the pavement and still hanging into the road a little bit and i'm like well, what the bloody hell is she playing at what's she doing and on both occasions um apparently what's happened i haven't seen this this is what the wife explains to me because she's the one driving down the road she comes around the corner in our little blue car and she sees Lemmy just sort of milling around in, in, on the pavement or wherever. And as soon as he clocks that it's our car, he sprints down the pavement. You know, because I'm guessing he's excited. He knows he knows my wife Sharon is, is coming home, so he's excited to see her. You know, um, it's quite funny because our other cat doesn't recognise our car. He recognises Sharon's mum's car and gets excited when he sees that one. It's, it's weird how they work, I guess. But, he, you know, Lemmy, he runs down the pavement, runs into the driveway but doesn't go all the way in to the house. He literally stops in the middle of the driveway and sits down. So the wife will drive in. She then can't see him, but she knows he's in the driveway and she's beeping the horn and shouting at him to try and get the bloody cat to move. But he just literally sits there blocking the driveway and won't let the car in. You know, if I think if we had an electric car and it was too quiet, God knows what would happen to him. You know, because that, that is actually a, a good point because there's no, there's not a really a lot of moving parts to an electric car. No. And there's certainly no kind of like engine kind of uh, grunting. So, yeah, that would be interesting. Now, in fact, I think that would be weird being mm. in a car and not hearing the, like, the revving of the engine and just essentially hearing the, the whirring of an electric motor. Yeah, that would be, like be weird. Um, on Demolition Man. Yeah, demolition man when they're like, driving around in those cars, and all you can hear is that real sort of faint buzz. Yeah, as long as I won't have to wipe my ass with three shells, I'm not that bored. No, you don't have to. Do you just have a rant like I did last week, <laughs> and then every time you say pimple dick, that machine chucks out a thing like you know, you're being <laughs> you you find five credits. Yeah, that's it. Like like like, like old Sly Stallone did, old uh, old Rambo himself used used the credits and the the fines, didn't he, to wipe his ass? Certainly did. Um, Triller. I, I had never, ever heard of this until this week when this YouTube fella did this thing. I got no idea what, what it's about, what happened. I mean, to be honest, you say Triller, I just thought that was what what people in Ireland call the Michael Jackson album. That was as far as my notes went. <laughs> I, you know? have, I have used that joke so many times this, this week. It's unreal. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what is it? Is it like a boxing company? Is it a promotion? Uh, or? Okay. I, don't, I don't understand. So... so- Triller um, is it, it started as a kind of um, an alternative to TikTok, you know, like the short form video uh, social media style app. Okay, yeah, uh, and that expanded to something called uh, Triller Fight Club, which is um, essentially famous YouTubers and 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 social influencers setting up a kind of like a a white collar boxing club. But as more money has come in and more people have got involved, uh, more and more famous people have, have wanted to, to start boxing. Uh, so we've got to where the, the biggest uh, social media influencers uh, like uh, KSR and, and uh, uh, Jake Paul are all having these boxing matches. Uh, so Triller um, have, have grown because of the revenue. Uh, they've grown to a point where they actually uh, have agreed a deal to buy out Fart.tv, like lock, stock, and barrel. So they they essentially own the the biggest independent uh, combat sports and wrestling streaming service in the world. But well, as in fight, as in where I buy my AEW pay per views from. Yeah, 
Park. Oh, yeah. Okay. So so that deal will be going through in the in uh, the upcoming weeks. Uh, but essentially, this this card was uh, it's so hard to explain. It was it was meant to be uh, a a combat sports showcase, but it, it uh, quickly devolved into um, a, a mini concert slash comedy slash pretend farting slash rich people getting paid to finesse a company like Triller. It was surreal. It was honestly, honestly surreal. It started off with some uh, pretty decent uh, action with uh, some not-so-well-known boxers, but kind of like up-and-coming names. Then once we get to the main card, you have a... Um, which now, which was the first fight? Oh, uh, you had a, a comedian called Pete Davidson. I don't know if you know him. He's from uh, Saturday Night Live. No. Uh, he was like the the kind of like the host of the show, like the compare for the show. He absolutely tore the full show uh, a new asshole every opportunity he could get. He called it pathetic. He called Jake Paul a, a douchebag who should be locked up. Um, he said he's only there because the checks cleared. He ripped <laughs> it down. Um, so he ended up being in a segment with Ric Flair. Right, um, okay. Where they uh, hosted a slap fat. Right. Just let that sink in. Two big, chubby, bearded blocks slapping each other. Um, then we got to um, some... Music, uh, so we had Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube, and forgive me, but two other rappers who I don't know who they are, uh, doing uh, like a four or five song concert. Apparently, they're bringing out uh, like a collaborative album called Mount Mount Westwood or something like that. Um, so that happened. Then we got to uh, uh, Frank Mir, former UFC um, heavyweight champion, looking not the best in 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 shape he uh he came in 70 pounds heavier than his opponent who was a former world champion boxer who hadn't boxed for five years or something like that and fair play to frank Mir. he was tired after a minute of the of, of the fight but he gave his all and fair play to the, the the fighter steve cunningham i think his name was he could have hurt Frank May, could have really damaged him, but he did enough to win the fight without really kind of um, destroying Frank May. So that happened. That was six rounds of fun. Uh-huh. So then after that, we get another concert with a, a, a I assume she's a, a young rap artist called Doja Cat. Uh, never heard of her. She, uh, she pretty much sang and, and rapped in, in, her underwear and it was very very small underwear she left uh nothing to the ima- imagination which girl power and all that lot of fair play to her um <laughs> that happened uh then we got um oh before that i've, I've actually missed a bit out in the frank mir and, and steve cunningham fight they had oscar de la Hoya on commentary so they had this right. uh they had this six-man commentary booth the majority Six. of the people yeah, six men. Um, the majority of the people have no idea who they are. Um, but th- on this one fact, they had Oscar De La Hoya. And this is not allegedly or hyperbole. That guy was off his fucking tree on cocaine. Uh, 
He <laughs> was he was gurning. He was uh, just screaming, making absolutely no sense. Um, yeah, he was just off his tree. So he got switched out, whether he went to get another line or not, and just did it bother coming back. No idea. Uh, but we get to the the next fight, which is uh, an, an another up and coming. Well, uh, not an up and coming boxer. It's a former uh, world champion who's, who's quite a good fighter called Regis uh, Progre, and he was fighting uh, a guy Not called... Regis, no. No, definitely not Cyril Regis. Right. <laughs> I mean, you can put that in the, in the title if you want. But he was fighting a, a guy called Ivan Redback or Red Cat, some, something like that, another kind of up-and-coming fighter. And uh, he was getting handily paced about this this Regis guy. And then Regis went for kind of like a, a liver shot or like a, a shot to the bread basket. Um, he overstretched and and and, and missed uh, missed where he was trying to hit, but his glove uh, kind of like uh, grazed against like the the waist, I suppose, of this uh, this Ivan Red Redback. The guy went down like he had been kicked in the dick, right? So the referee was like, "Is this a disqualification? Did was it a low blow?" So we get the replays and slow motion replays, and it shows that no contact at all uh came from regis to this guy apart from the the glove the thumb of the glove slightly grazing his hip but the guy stayed down as if he'd been punched in the dick and they ended up getting a stretcher and stretching him out of the building because he he simulated being hit in the dick so much uh so that happened i don't understand why though because he was getting beat and it was the it was an attempt to i suppose not lose um, Perhaps he's what, got really sensitive hips, though, Max. Perhaps he's just like you know he needs well, one replaced I mean, or something. He, that that may have been the case, but he was holding his dick. He was right. on his dick and balls. Perhaps he's like, got a really sensitive dick. <laughs> the, what so <laughs> sensitive that you don't even have to make contact with it. Just a gust of wind him. from yeah. the guy's hand, you know, <laughs> just like effectively waving vigorously, and it's like you know. <laughs> Perhaps uh, old I, I, Ivor Redback or whatever his freaking name was. He's, he then collapses with eyes streaming because he's been way his plums been waved out or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, that may be the case, but I know the commentary team who had replaced Oscar De La Hoya with Snoop Dogg uh, were absolutely ripping the piss out of him. Snoop well, Dogg was fantastic. So they replaced someone off their tits on coke with someone who's probably off their tits on weed. Not probably, because he spent a lot of the the show actually rolling joints whilst wow. whilst on the commentary team. Honestly, it, it it beggars belief. You need to see this to believe it. So we get into the the I want to say core main event, uh, which is a Justin Bieber concert. Uh, oh God! To absolutely nobody. Uh, so we get four or five Justin Bieber uh, songs, and in between every song, he's, he's trying to like uh, bull up the crowd, saying, uh, "How are we doing? How how's the how uh, are we enjoying the night?" To absolute crickets, not one person <laughs> says anything to him. Uh, they also have like a, a laser beam show, which uh, pretty much blinds everyone because it, it fires straight down at the camera. So there's plenty of times when you were just bombarded by a bright green laser, uh, which is fun, fun for all the family. Um, then we get to the, the, <laughs> the actual main event. So we have Jake Paul, a YouTube sensation against 
Ben Askren, former uh, MMA fighter, elite college-level wrestler, uh, but someone very much not known for their boxing abilities. Uh, right, whenever, okay. So whenever he's been in a, 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 an MMA fight, it's t- it usually goes to the ground. He usually kind of wrestles and, and wins by submission. Um, he's also coming off a, a full hip replacement that happened in October, so less than six months uh, after that. So it's so not he's like he, got a sensitive hip. He's got a metal hip. I, if metal anything, hip. I'd say it's very much uh, unsensitive. An it's unsensitive hip. <laughs> <laughs> he's got an unsensitive hip. Why? <laughs> <laughs> so this fight starts, and within about two minutes, Jake Paul has uh, has, has hit uh, Ben Askren and knocked him to the floor. Um, he gets back up. Uh, the referee uh, asks him if he's all right to fight. Ben Askin says, yeah, I'm fine. But the referee then then calls it off anyway. Uh, so Jake Paul is still unbeaten as a professional boxer with a 3-0 and record. Uh, and, yeah, he's, him and his, his cronies have finessed uh, Triller out of millions and millions of dollars uh, for an absolute, absolute joke of a show. Fuck Essentially. <laughs> We should do something like that, mate. We should just try and put our own boxing show, our own wrestling show on or something, just to make a few quid, you know. We could, we could be quite creative, I'm sure. <coughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, have you got a, you've got a, a, a sore ankle, so we'll just put a robotic ankle on and you just take a, a couple of shots off a famous YouTuber and we quids in. Why have I got to get punched? Well... Uh, after you, uh, you basically sold me down the river on your recent uh, appearance on uh, Good Cop, Bad Cop, I, I believe you owe me that. <laughs> what sold you down the river? How did I sell you down the river, mate? Come on. What, what, <laughs> what, what, what are you upset about? What are you salty about? Um, I'm not really. I thought it was a really good um, um, uh, episode. Uh, you you really kind of like made a good showing of yourself, and and then you still wouldn't confirm that you are... The, the wife in this relationship which is <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why either of us have got to be the wife can't we just I don't understand why we're, why we're even talking about this we're not married <laughs> oh for goodness sake oh. yeah That's so okay. yeah I listened to listened to the episode today it was a you had um, seemed like you had a lot of fun on there. It's yeah, it was good, man. It's, good, good. I mean, it's, it's always a great show, anyway, isn't it? Good cop, bad cop. And Matt's Matt's a top bloke. I've got a lot of time for him, and that's the first time I've really spoken with Graham, and he's, he seems a lovely fella as well. So, oh yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed being on there. It was really, really good fun, and uh, yeah, thank you both to the pair of them to um, for having me on. Like. And what really kind of like um, meant my. Um, well, it gave me a massive beaming smile was when Graham said that uh, our, our chemistry uh, has made, made Chair Wrestling one of his favourite podcasts. Uh, and this is from a guy who listens to probably as many podcasts as I do. Uh, so to get that that level of praise from from one of our uh, teammates is, yeah, it's uh, amazing. And, yeah, really, it made me more proud of the, 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 the work we do on this show. Um, one thing that I, I, I was surprised at was actually how humble you ended up being because what people don't know about this show is is you do the majority of the work i literally just watch a bit of wrestling turn up and have a bit of banter it's you what uh what does a lot of the, the like the 
the um, the controlling where the conversation goes, dealing with the with the uh, Twitter stuff and 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 that. But so you you need to give yourself way more props than you do. Uh, I, I'm just along for the ride. I'm literally just hanging on your coattails. <laughs> well, no, that's, that's that's very kind of you to say, mate. But it wouldn't work without you it wouldn't work we like to have pair of us mm-hmm. um so yeah from that viewpoint it's uh you know it, it is what it is i mean I, I enjoy what i'm doing it's great and i'm yeah. really happy that you know we're doing this together and I, it wouldn't work Absolutely. either without our wonderful wonderful listeners and twitter followers look at um, that for a segue oh, see how that, that you see listeners sweet. how i've led him into that and, he, and he, <laughs> he knew it's just like an instinctual thing now he knew what i was at the aim i weren't really praising him i was just setting him up for that segue it's that chemistry <laughs> that graham was talking about he's at now on the air doesn't he hey i'll go get that as well i'm gonna put graham endorsed on our logo on it <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, actually, very quickly, Mags, before we get on to Twitter today and um, our, well, not our, our listeners' um, sporting stories or disasters or whatever, um, very quickly, I'm going to spell a word for you now, right? You, I don't know if you want to write this down so you can see it in front of you or whatever, but I'm going to spell a word for you now that apparently I've been saying wrong my whole life, and I only found out about an hour before we pressed record okay. that I've been saying this wrong, right? C H I P O T L E. How do you say that? Chipotle. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been calling it? For like my whole life, man. Like literally my whole life. I've been saying Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> to other people or just to like your your like um your your, your inner circle. To, to whenever it comes up <laughs> like in a restaurant Ooh, I, don't I don't really go to restaurants man but it's like <laughs> the reason the reason it came out was because um i bought some crisps today when i picked when i picked charlie up from school my youngest i picked her up from school popped to the shop on the way home and they had these two new flavors of crisps and i thought well, i'll get them they're only a quid for a, a, a multi-pack i'll get them for the kids to try and whatever and this one of them was this chipotle um flavored crisps so I, I started eating them, and I said to the wife, "These were right, these." And I, I, I said what I thought they were called, and she was like, "What did you just say?" <laughs> I said, "That's pottle flavor," and she was like, "No, what did you just say?" And I said, "That's that's what they are. They're pottle flavor." And my wife was like, just laughing her head off. And as this is happening, I think she's winding me up because I'm I am adamant that I've never heard it said any other way. I swear I haven't because I'd have picked up on it. I thought that's how you said that word. So I think she's winding me up. Then my middle daughter comes down the stairs, halfway through the conversation, stops and just stares at me with a, with a look of complete disappointment and says, no, that's not how you say it, and agreed with the wife. So I'm like, so I'm 40 years of age, and I've been saying this wrong my whole life. Um, next week you're doing the show on your own. I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't work with somebody that, that says Chipotle. I thought, I think if you if you look at it, that's kind of how it's spelled, isn't it? Chip, ot. Okay, so um, I, I've got a, a similar situation, not from me, but from uh, Mrs. Mags. Um, what do you call the uh, the kind of dried petals and, and bits of wood that's been perfumed and, and dyed, and you put it in a bowl on your on your uh, your coffee table? What what do you call that? I don't want to say because you're going to laugh at me. 
What do you call it? <laughs> well, it's, isn't it potpourri? It's supposed to be pronounced. Yeah, potpourri. Well, I've always called it potpourri. <laughs> the wife calls it that, and she's adamant it's called potpourri. And she, even when she goes and buys it, she she refers to it as potpourri. And I cringe my teeth out when she does it. It's it's horrible. And I've told her countless times that it's potpourri, but no, it's potpourri, and that is it. In theory, um, pot puree is like a little jar of tomato sauce, isn't it? In theory, couldn't it? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I've got another similar one that she, she says, uh, you know, um, peas, like garden peas. Um, I'm aware of the existence of peas mags, yeah. yeah. So what do you <laughs> call the really small peas that you usually get, uh, like, frozen? Right, I, I think my daughter is going to say the same thing as, as your good lady. Um, they're supposed to be called... Isn't it petit pois? Petit pois, yeah. Our lives calls them petit petite pois. Oh, my missus don't even do that. She calls them petite peas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, in a way, you know, she's not wrong because they are peas. <laughs> they're very petite. <laughs> yeah, and they're really small. So in a way, maybe she's not just getting the words wrong. Perhaps that's just what she calls them because she's really descriptive with her with her words. <laughs> and she's maybe. calling it exactly what they are. I mean, you, 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 you may be right, but pot puree is a sin in my eyes. <laughs> Chipotle. Um, Chipotle. I, I can't get over that. Chipotle. Hey, honestly, I could get my memes head about, about the, the company Chipotle. Like, uh, a kid who's, uh, like loves uh, going uh, out and eating at Chipotle, and there's videos of him going, oh, Chipotle is my life. How did you not know that, that Chipotle was the... Why would you think it's Chipotle? Of all I, things, I don't know. <laughs> I've never seen those videos. I don't know what that is. I don't know what, what you're talking about there. But I didn't even know until I googled it that Chipotle was Chipotle. Chipotle. Oh I, my god! <laughs> I, I didn't even know until I googled it earlier that it's like it's like a chain of places you go and eat, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's like Mexican food. Yeah, right, okay. I didn't know that until today. I thought it was just like a type of flavour. So, like, you get... I thought you... I didn't realise Chipotle was a chain of restaurants. I thought it was just Chipotle flavour. So it was Chipotle ketchup or Chipotle chicken or something. I didn't realise it was a chain of restaurants where people go and eat until literally today. It's not just a chain of restaurants. It's actually... It's a a type of pepper. That's the whole point. It's a... I think it's a... Um, a, a dried jalapeno. I think that's what a chipotle is called. Um, don't quote me on that, but uh, I know it's a, a dried pepper of some variety. Uh, and the company obviously use that as as their logo and, and their name, and 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 that's how it was. But I'm sure it wasn't called a chipotle chili. A hundred percent sure. See, uh, honestly, it it blew my mind finding this out earlier to the point where, like I said, I googled it, found out it was actually a restaurant. Um, that the chain is named after it, like, and then there was a thing you could press on on the Google, and I literally typed in "how do you pronounce?" and I wrote out hey, Chipotle, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is Chipotle, you fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, basically, and I was I was just like, huh? Honestly, it blew my mind. It was insane. I, I, I see you learn something every day, mate. Forty years of age, and every day is still a school day, you know. That's that's my idea. That really has made me <laughs> idea. That has been that's brilliant. Oh, shall we move on to other people doing silly things and hurting themselves or whatever? 
Yes, let's. <laughs> Okie doke. On Twitter this week, our wonderful, wonderful listeners and followers um, got in touch to provide their, I suppose, the, the initial idea was going to be wrestling, uh, sorry, football, sport in general, um, sporting triumphs and disasters. Yeah. That was the initial idea that I sort of messaged Mags with and said, what do you reckon to this? Um, I'm not going to lie, because Twitter only allows a certain number of characters, it ended up just going to sporting disasters because I couldn't fit the word triumphs in. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe that's one for another day. Um, we had quite a good reaction and number of responses. Again, Mags, the, the people listening to our show are, as always, absolutely fantastic. Um I will just run through them again in the order they arrived, if that's okay with you, bud. That's absolutely fine. And uh, I like the way it's the same or some of the same faces that uh, that have these issues. Um, I think they need to take a cold, hard look at their lives and, and realise that they are lucky to still be on this earth. Yeah. Um, with some of them. <laughs> Yeah, the fact that we, we, we'll do another drunk stories again soon. I, I, it's guaranteed to come up again, isn't it? Yeah, But definitely. some of the drunk stories we hear, that enough, you look at and you think, how are these people still alive? And then you hear about them nearly dying whilst attempting to play sport as well. You're like, it's just a calamity, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's But anyway. A, it's a comedy of errors. It's it is, mate. It is. It is. Um, our good friend, Young Conrad, at EL Compact 2 Newt on Twitter. Uh, he said he was about seven at school and he was trying to do sort of clever stepovers like you do in football, like, uh, like Ronaldo and so on, all the clever little tricks. He fell over on the concrete and broke his arm. So, yeah, that's not a successful venture, is it really? That's definitely <laughs> a disaster. Definitely a disaster. Um... Dan Griffin, it's not an episode of Chain Wrestling if we don't get a story from our buddy Dan. Yes, uh, exactly. At Griffin21 on Twitter. He said in his first school rugby game in year seven, um, so that would be around 12 years old, 11, 12 years old, I would think, if people were unfamiliar with how the years are split up in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um the year 11s were playing on the main pitch, so that would be more like 16, 17-year-olds, uh, next to his game. Um, one of the players wrapped his knee around the post, shattering his kneecap. Ooh, stroof. The ambulance that came for him tried to drive onto the school field to come and see him and, and, and sort him out, obviously. It actually got stuck on the field. This poor kid was howling in pain while a paramedic, youth rugby players, P and PE teachers, and the kid's dad tried to free the ambulance for a good 20 to 30 minutes. Oh, when the ambulance brutal. got three, they decided to drive off the field and just ran on with a stretcher instead. Man, can you imagine the pain that kid must have been in? And, and being left there for, for the best part of half an hour whilst they, they try and free the ambulance. Oh, oh that's, that's brutal. That's I, horrible. I couldn't even imagine, man, the pain of that stroof. Um... At UTC Rob, um, have you listened to the new the new podcast, Max? The UTT show. What's it called? Un- Unbooking the territory, isn't it? I've also been uh, had the pleasure of being on a couple of episodes so far. That they've uh, the pre-recording are in the can. Uh, oh yeah, I think you mentioned that before, actually. Yeah. Whether they see the light of day uh, is uh, is another thing, but uh, yeah, I think it's a really interesting take on on creating content. Yeah, yeah, I've listened to the first two, I think, so far. Definitely the first one. I think I've either finished or halfway through the second one. Um, yeah, I've enjoyed it so far. Yeah, it's, it's quite good. I'm, I'm, I'm getting into it. Uh, Rob says, 
when he was on the school swimming team, there was a mix-up when finishing his length, and the next guy in the school relay um, was starting his, causing their school to finish a whole length behind the uh, seven other schools. Their team got a slow clap during that length. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's bad, isn't it? When, when like, everyone else is watching. I mean, you know, it, I, I was never particularly athletic or anything like that when I was very little. I played sport more when I got a bit older. But that moment when you're sort of swimming or running or whatever and, and you are literally trailing behind for whatever reason, a mistake or whatever, and everyone's giving you that sort of clap or come on, well done and all this sort of stuff. It, they mean well, but deep down, it, it feels a little bit like crap, doesn't it? <laughs> 90% of them don't mean well. 90% yeah. of them are doing it to absolutely mock the shit out of you. Uh, and that last person doing that last last length must have felt like he wanted the world to swallow him up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Von Tugbot. Tugbot, our good buddy from Bang Bang Podcast here. Um, I mean, to be fair, he slated... Uh, he, well, he didn't slate me, but he uh, refused point blank to answer my question on the, the latest episode. Uh, and just gave a giant sigh, which I thought was uh, hilarious and and disturbing all at once. <laughs> um, I've not listened to this week's Bang Bang yet. Obviously, being out on a Monday, it's after, as I've said before, it's after we record this that I sit down and listen back to this and then listen to Bang Bang and, mm-hmm. and so on. So it I look was, forward to that. It's my favourite episode that they've done so far. Yeah? Yeah, really ah, good. Okay. I really enjoyed the Terry Funk episodes, the double, the double, yeah. sort of double header, sort of split over two. The Terry Funk episodes are, were great. I really enjoyed that. Um, well, this, this one is Steve at his most despondent. Okay, uh, because he starts off so invested. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to go over all the details, but they, they talk for about 45 minutes or so about music, and you can tell he he absolutely loves it. Uh, re- some really cool stories. And then he gets onto the wrestling, and it, it just dab bombs, just absolutely dab bombs. And by the end of it, everyone's a, a c word on to him. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> um, he says you're going to have to help me a little bit here, Mags. I think because I mean I, I don't know the first thing about cricket, so I'm kind of hoping that you do. Okay. Um, he's messaged in saying I used to play cricket for a pub team. Six points of cider in, and my six overs bowling produced figures of five to twenty-one. I don't really know what that means. Right, so he got five wickets out in, and for twenty-one runs. So that's quite good, isn't it? It's not bad to say we're half caught. Yeah, um, and then fielding at first slip, misjudged a nick, and it fractured his collarbone. However, he didn't Ooh. spill a drop of his point. Legendary, so it, it, mate. He, Legendary. Was, he was fielding in the slips. Which, uh, so the slips are, um, you, you, I, I assume you've seen some sort of cricket before. Yeah, yeah. I played it at school. I, I was just, I was just awful at it. And I was like, right. when, when I played cricket at school, I used to always request, you know, can I go and field right out by the, is it boundary, the, the little yeah. flags? I'll field right out there. So then I'd stick my 10 Lambert and Butler in my sock and I'd be able to go out and have a smoke during PE and no one would notice. <laughs> 
that was my <laughs> my interactions with uh, cricket, mate. <laughs> okay, so so for people who don't know, that basically the slips are uh, they stand close to the the wicketkeeper. So if the 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 batsman uh, nicks the ball uh, and doesn't quite make contact with it uh, and it deflects, it it goes in their general direction. So they're in basically in the firing line for a lot of a uh, lot of kind of missed shots from from uh, cricket. So it's a dangerous spot to be in. So for him to be able to be in the slips and still be supping on a pan is is brilliant in the first place. But to not spill after breaking your collarbone, but yeah, the guy's a legend, absolute legend. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because I mean, sometimes these bowlers, and, and when the when the batsmen's hit it as well, it's going like I'm assuming over 100 miles an hour. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, some of them. I mean, not maybe not at that level, uh, but certainly at professional level, you get uh, mm. past 100 miles an hour, yeah. And they're like pebbles, aren't they? They're like bloody rocks, cricket balls. They're rock hard, aren't they? They're solid. Yeah, absolutely yeah. solid. Oh, just sort of to clear up as well, 10 Amber and Butler in my pocket. Other cigarettes are also available out there, kids, okay? <laughs> um, but don't smoke. But it's don't bad. smoke them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um. Millwall Chris at Millwall Chris one on Twitter a few years ago uh, decided to run the parents race at his daughter's sports day. He also worked at the school he's put here in brackets on the start line. He noticed that most of the dads are about 10 to 15 years younger than him. Thought if he could make a decent start, it might be all right. He went two steps, fell on his face in front of the whole school, just laid there and waited for the ground to swallow him up. Fortunately, oh. another member of staff gave him emergency resuscitation. <laughs> wow. Oh. Amazing stuff. Um, a couple of other messages here that are school orientated. <laughs> a few years ago, a mum was running in the mum's race and she had recently had a baby wearing a maxi dress and she was approaching the finishing line. One of her boobs came out, which is, is interesting, I guess. <laughs> Um, and also took a group of kids to a swimming competition two of them nearly drowned as they couldn't actually swim their parents had signed letters saying they could swim um, and when the individual who sent this in asked one of the parents who told you that your kid could could swim they said she did as in the child told them so the child said yep i can do it the child who wants to go in this competition but has no experience of swimming said yeah i can do it and they didn't think i might i might fact check that that may be something that that needs kind of like outside approval um yeah that's did the social services get involved because maybe they should have (laughs) <laughs> yeah, potentially. <laughs> uh, Craig William from the excellent Pro Wrestling Musings site. Absolutely. Uh, he messages in here, um, speaking from experience, he says, that thing where you wind up to kick the ball super, super hard, but your standing foot hits the ball a little bit, making you completely miss the ball with your kicking leg, is always super embarrassing. And yes, it is. And sometimes it can be really painful because you jar your own knee, don't you? Yep, absolutely. Or when you're uh, you're playing football and the ball comes to you and you try and take a shot and you absolutely sky it or you, you kick it off for a throw-in and you have to pretend that you injured yourself. Um, otherwise, you'd look like an absolute buffoon. So you're like, uh, oh, yeah. ah, yeah, I, I, caught, just, I caught it wrong. I used to just look at the ground. 
<laughs> I spent, when, when I played, say, swallow me, <laughs> swallow me now. I played football quite a bit at school and um, for different teams in, in my youth. And I played up until, I don't know, mid to late 20s. Not a great, great standard or anything like that. I mean, I believe it or not, to look at me now, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think I was telling the truth. But back then, um, I was actually quite trim. And I all I could do was run really, really fast. So... I'd missed like 15 chances a game because everyone would check me up front because I was quick. I'd missed like 15 chances a game, but still get another four or five goals because I was that quick. I got that many chances. Yeah. I weren't very good. I was just lightning um, yeah. until I smashed my knee up. Like, and if I missed, that was the standard. I'd look at the pitch and be like looking at a divot that wasn't actually there or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Blame. I can't play on a surface like this. It'd be, you know, that's all. <laughs> um, at Hazard Chelsea FC, Harry messaging in says it was Will and Kate's wed- royal wedding. Um, we had a street party and like a dumbass, I was practicing three kicks in our concrete driveway into the street bins. There was a steep concrete ramp to get onto the drive and he would run up it, but he tripped and took a massive chunk out of his knee. <laughs> oh, oh! I mean, he still got the scarring from it. He says concrete wow. drives are not. Are not smooth as well. They are pretty rough. I've, I've been out um, bringing the bins in many a time and thought, yeah, I'll, I'll chance it with no with no shoes on. And yeah, they can cut your feet up somewhat rotten to but to fall on it and, and gash your knee. Yeah, I bet that was I bet that was horrific. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the appliance one eighty, William Kitchen, top bloke. Uh, he says first day back at secondary school the day after SummerSlam ninety nine. I love the way that. As wrestling fans, we don't always associate years or days or anything like that. We say it was SummerSlam '99 the day before. Yeah. That's how I remember when it was. <laughs> you know, it's like my dad. He's he's a driving instructor and he's been a truck driver and because he spent his whole life driving, he gets embarrassed because he'll he'll say to me, "Oh, such and such a place." I'll have no idea. He's got to name the nearest pub and I'll know exactly where he is. Um, and it's that sort of thing, isn't it? It's what you what you sort of associate with, I guess. Yeah. It's, <laughs> um. He says here that they were uh, playing football. He went to cross the ball in from the right-hand side, got caught in a bad tackle, ended up being a triple fracture. Wow. Um, Two months off school, could never play football to a decent standard again, leg never healed, and he still has a permanent limp. So, wow, okay, that's that's terrible. That is brutal. Um, Wow, I mean, you've really took the comedy out of that one. So, yeah, that, that's thanks the, for that. Really, it? <laughs> <laughs> I was really pissed on our chips. <laughs> um, we have uh, a message from Graham at MGB Graham. So he doesn't know about a screw up particularly, but a, certainly an injury as he pulled his Achilles tendon in sports day mid race. Was unable to finish the race. Uh, he was about 10 years old, terrible injury, no running around. And at that age, over the summer as well. So that's another one that's a bit depressing. It's a bit of a shame, isn't it? Yep. Wow. Hmm. Not good. Um, <laughs> good bad wrestle at good cop bad cop. Now this will uh, have big Graham again, or it'll be uh, it'll be Matt. He says here in adult life as a soccer coach about ten years ago, uh, was warming his goalkeeper up pre-match, stepped backwards to get to get another ball, badly sprained his ankle in a big divot was lying in agony and had to be assisted by a trainer, sat the whole match with his ankle strapped up. Oh, dear. <laughs> That's bad when you're that injured just during the warm-up, and you're not even playing. You're literally warming somebody else up. 
I mean, you, it was never meant to be a sportsman then, I would assume. Yeah. Carry on with the podcasting, pal. That's, that's the yeah. better option, I think. Safer as well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Handy T1TF, a uh, good friend of the show, Handy. It says here in sixth grade, he was £265, so much bigger than now he has put. Um, when playing football, he felt unstoppable. I'm assuming this, well, I know Handy is in the States, so it's, it's American football we're talking here. Um, felt unstoppable until he caught a pass over the middle and was suddenly sandwiched between two 300 pound guys at full speed. So he woke up an hour later and actually lost the game. <laughs> so he just got absolutely splatted by two massive fellas man and it's amazing when you watch some of that nfl uh and, and i suppose rugby as well in this country and so on some of the hits these people take is insane just absolute smashes isn't it yeah yeah mental yeah and the last one from twitter uh danny at scottish juggalo on twitter says school sports day 2004 was on the final lap of an 800 meter race Failing miserably in last place, the second-to-last runner suddenly had a violent asthma attack out of nowhere and keeled over. Instead of helping him, I ran past him to secure not getting last place. I mean, reading it, it it sounded absolutely brutal. But being in the same situation, I I think I would have I would have done that. Oh, hundred percent, mate. Hundred <laughs> percent. So I mean, end of the day, it's a, it's a school sports day. The teachers are there to sort that shit. Eh? Finish yeah. the race, man. One, <laughs> <laughs> unless you got an inhaler in your sock next to your Lambert, it's just you know. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to be able to do? Yeah, um, I got a couple of quick ones, Mags. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a really embarrassing moment when I was playing under 16s football. We were playing against our local rivals. Um, like I said, I was uh, normally. I played up top. My my goal record, in theory, looked quite good. But when you looked at how many chances I missed, it it did not. But luckily, those weren't counted. Um, <laughs> we were playing a game, and we were actually 3-0 down at halftime. My strike partner, who was one of my best friends, I, I still see him quite regularly now, scored three goals in the second half to put it back to three each. Um, and then in stoppage time, I went running into the box, took the ball around the keeper, got bought down. We were given a penalty. I'd missed a bag full of chances that game. Uh, my strike partner obviously had scored an absolute hat-trick of world is as well, 25, 30 <laughs> yards out and all this sort of stuff. He was saying that he should take the penalty. I was like, nope, I am the designated penalty taker. I wanted the glory for myself. Stood up, walked up, put the ball down, took a couple of steps back, puffed my chest out, acted all Billy Big Balls, promptly knocked it straight over the bar. Like oh, an absolute kick. Wow. And as the ball kept sailing away, before it even bounced, the ref blew the final whistle. So that was quite a shameful, embarrassing moment for me. Oh, that's brutal. Um, Another one that is more uh, daft, I suppose, um, was uh, a similar sort of age, 16-ish, on a school sports day. I was doing the 800 metres and the 1500 metres. I did the 1500, um, went off. Wandered off, got a drink, went uh, when they used to have like an ice cream truck that would come around as well. So I went and got an ice cream, came back, and I was stood next to a couple of people in my class watching this race going round. Um, and I recognised some of the people running from being in my year. I sort of said to my, my, my buddy Matt, "Oh, what race is this?" And he said, "Oh, this is the 800 meters for our year." I was like, "All right, so my race then." So I basically missed my race 
because I'd gone to get an ice cream. So that I, I was frowned upon there by my <laughs> head of year and, and stuff. <laughs> Have you got any any at all, mate? Uh, yeah, I've got a, a couple. Um, uh, one that I think I've mentioned on the show before, uh, but I, I was uh, quite good at cricket in my uh, school days. Uh, so whenever it was cricket time uh, for for P, it was the best one of the best times of of of, of the, the the school year for me. Uh, so going out onto the cricket field and one of the one of the the other kids, a guy called Mark Bailey, and I'll I'll never ever forgive him as long as uh, I shall live. He uh, cracked a cricket ball into the the nearby golf course, uh, which meant we all ended up having to do uh, uh, lengths of the of the um, the cross country field. Um, because of him rather than playing cricket. So there's that. That was fun. Uh, then in a, a cricket match I was having for for school, uh, kind of similar to uh, to Steve's one, but he stole my thunder with the fact he was half-cut and broke his collarbone. I went to um, to catch the ball. Um, but as, as you said earlier, the balls are rock hard, uh, really solid. Uh, and it kind of, instead of landing clean in my palms, it landed kind of on like the, the ball of, of my, my thumb, Ooh. bounced up and hit me directly in the mouth, which uh, I don't know if you've been hit with a cricket ball in the mouth, but there's only one winner. Yeah. And that, that winner was the cricket ball. And my, my top lip just exploded literally like it had, like I'd, I'd eaten a firework. It was a, an absolute mess. Uh, but then the, probably the, the most painful one. And I, th- I think it, it needs a little bit of context to, to why it happened. Uh, so I'm going to go back a few more years. This is like when I was about, uh, nine or 10, I, I got hit by a car uh, and what happened, uh, the, the car kind of uh, dragged my uh, leg underneath the wheel and, and kind of really rolled over the leg and over the knee. So it, uh, it was absolutely just dismantled. So I spent uh, a good uh, year, 18 months uh, in, in kind of like rehabbing traction and having a, a plaster cast on uh, to, to kind of rebuild the, the, the leg. But it, there's only so much around that time that, that you could do. So I've always had a a, a right leg that's that's built on uh, hopes and dreams and kind of like held together with uh, with gaffer tape. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, then uh, fast forward uh, about three four years. Uh, I was uh, on a, a swing on a park, and. Uh, at that age, you you think that uh, you are uh, King Dick. So I'm there, stood on this wing, trying to like uh, go as high as I can. Uh, so um, this this uh, this local woman shouted over, said, "Oi, don't stand on that swing!" So me panicking because uh, I've suddenly been emasculated in front of my mates. Um, I went to sit down uh, on the swing so I didn't get into any trouble, but the swing was really low to the ground um, to the point where my leg went under the swing and and then it kind of like snapped. Mm. Um, It it essentially went uh, 90 degrees the wrong way. Now, if you, anyone who has a knee, which I would assume is everybody who listens knows that the knee bends 90 degrees in one direction. Well, imagine that, but my knee bending the other way. Um, so that happened Jesus. to the same leg. Uh, for that, I was in a, 
a Forrest Gump style uh, brace for for again about eighteen months. Uh, so safe to say, my my uh, knee was not in the best of shape. Anyway, that didn't hold me back from uh, being fairly decent at, at some sports. There were there were times when I I struggled because it just it the pain was was pretty much unbearable. And I really still suffer with it a lot now. Um, but I was good at cricket. Uh, but I got actually um, I got uh, involved in the school football team. So uh, w- one time we were we were kind of doing practice and we were like picking uh, kind of shirts and skin style um, sides for a for a match, uh, a training match. Uh, I get picked, uh, goes to jog over to join my teammates, and uh, that's one time that my knee uh, decided. Yeah, we're not playing ball now. Uh, I feel like having a bit of a nap, and it it just gave in. My uh, essentially the the joint came loose. Uh, my bottom uh, part of my leg was all wobbly like a jelly, and yeah, oh, it, so I didn't get. And that was literally from jogging from uh, a group of lads to another group of lads. Uh, no fouls, no tackles. Didn't get to kick a ball, uh, and yeah, well, I was out of action for about two to three months because of that so yeah that's fun that's <laughs> sorry <mad>. about that <laughs> yeah you're just like the, your one knee is just made of Weetabix you know <laughs> it's, that's pretty much the best way to describe it and even now uh, like in my early 40s I, it can be absolutely fine but you get a cold day and it's the it's unbearable. It's absolutely it just stiffens up, and then we can uh, me and the missus can be out uh, in town, or we can be uh, on a pub crawl, anything like that. And and for for no reason at all, it can just decide. Uh, yeah, I don't feel like letting you walk on me anymore. Uh, wobble wobble. Why? Yeah, I start trouble with my back a little bit. To be fair, from from an old football injury. It, it's mad how. Uh, the things that you do as kids, you think you're indestructible, mm. but then you look back and think it was that particular moment that has that has caused me this this amount of pain for years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, mine was um, I actually slipped two discs in my back, mm-hmm. um, right down the bottom of my back, and it was from stretching. We were in a cup final, uh, and it was the last minute. It was nil nil. I, I lunged across, got my foot to the ball, scored the winner, but slipped two discs in the process. Wow. That's a blatant fucking lie. I didn't score no cup final winners, mate. I, <laughs> pick, I picked up the kit bag and just felt it go pop. That's all that was, honestly. Oh, wow. I picked the kit bag up and my back went pop and I'd slipped two discs, yeah. I'd never scored no winners in a cup final. I'd be daft. <laughs> you, should have, you should have left that. It, 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 it sounded cooler. <laughs> yeah <laughs> the merit in myself picking up a bag of sweaty shirts yeah <laughs> right. shall we talk some wrestling mate let's let's do it sir let's hello brother this is nwa wcw enhancement talent randy hogan baby being in the ring with the road warriors vader abdul the butcher midnight express and all them guys let me tell you it was dang rough but not as rough as listening to Cyan Mags on that chain wrestling show, brother. What you gonna do when this pair of fools, Cyan Mags and chain wrestling, brother, runs wild on you? Okay, um, this week, Mags' selection won yet a bloody game. 
wrestling Twitter doing me dirty. I'm, I'm basically going to just start changing the format. I think I'm not going to, I'm not going to start the show anymore with welcome to chain wrestling. I'm going to be like next week is going to be, you know, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever, whenever, et cetera, et cetera. Welcome to let's all watch what Mags wants, you know, because that's the way it's been the last few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's like that. I really don't because I, I do my best to, to give, fairly shitty picks i mean i don't think this one was a particularly shitty pick i actually enjoyed watching it uh but yeah i do try and and make it worse for ourselves but it, it just seems that that the wrestling twitter loves to see us in pain i suppose yeah. i think last week it was because everyone loves brad shepherd and i upset them by slagging him off <laughs> maybe that's what it is We've got a, our, our listener base are full of Brad Shepherd fans. I don't know. <laughs> oh, um, Brad Shepherd a number of times. Yeah, just Brad Shepherd making loads of uh, loads of fake accounts, loads of fake emails to sign up for Twitter over and over again. Millwall Chris is Brad Shepherd in disguise. Is I'm, that what vote- saying? Yeah. I'm voting for Mags. Sod side. <laughs> he called me a pimple dick. I'm voting for Mags. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> Brad Shepherd. <laughs> um. Max's selection won with, I think it was 53% of the votes this week. Very um, close. Yeah, very close. Very close indeed. So we are heading back to September the 7th, 1997, In Your House, uh, the 17th In Your House show, if I've worked that out correctly, um, entitled Ground Zero for the main event, which wasn't actually the title match on the show, but the main event of Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker um, in Louisville Gardens, Louisville, Kentucky. Um, sounds like somewhere that would have certain restaurants where you'd be able to get plenty of lovely chipotle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I really enjoyed this match, Max. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I thought that there's not, there can't be many Shawn Michaels matches out there that I have either not seen or don't remember seeing. But this one didn't ring a bell. I, I, I must have seen it before, but it didn't ring a bell with me. But I really enjoyed it. I think the the reason why you you probably don't remember it as much is because this is what leads into uh, the Hell in a Cell match at the next yeah. pay-per-view. Yeah, and it was the... I think I think I heard on the commentary the first time they've met one-on-one, these two. Yeah, yeah so it, it was always going to be a schmoz finish um, mm. because... You don't you don't give the game away on on the the first time of asking you 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 try and um, kind of like milk the storyline for for all it's worth and to be fair it, it was a uh, I really enjoyed it and uh, so giving a little bit of a, like the backstory uh, these two were at war because uh, Sean uh, and Brett had uh, obviously a very very heated rivalry and he uh, Sean had actually. Uh, cost the Undertaker uh, the title by attacking Brett uh, at SummerSlam 1997, which meant that the Undertaker was gunning for, for Shawn Michaels. Uh, and this in this era, this was a Shawn Michaels that was incredibly cocky, very kind of a, a self-assured, uh, thought that the sun shined out of his own arse. Um, and uh, we had a Taker who was kind of just coming out of 
just being the the dead man and having more of a character and more of a say and, and getting some more promos off. Uh, so yeah, it was just a a really kind of well told story. You then add the fact that Sean was setting up uh, Degeneration X to essentially protect himself from from the Undertaker. Throw in a little bit of Commissioner Slaughter, and you add like the a whole mixing melting pot of uh, of interesting storylines that 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 led to this match, and then uh, essentially that led to one of the greatest uh, uh, Hell in a Cell gimmick style matches of all time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a lot of a lot of moving parts in. <laughs> In the WWF in 1997, I think 97's a fantastic year. Um, yeah. In the WWF and in WCW as well, the NWO and the whole um, Sting storyline and everything is all guns are blazing on the other channel. Um, but the WWF is really sort of, I suppose, trying to find. It's been trying to find its feet with the experiment of Diesel as champion, mm-hmm. Sean as champion as a babyface, um, lots of different things. They've been trying the cartoony, gimmicky characters and so on. Uh, here, it looks like they find where they want to go. You've got Steve Austin, who is, by this stage, becoming one of the most popular wrestlers in the world. Yeah. The Undertaker is on top, and it, to me, the Undertaker here in 97, it, he looks fantastic. He, he, he can really work. It's the first time you see him fly over the top rope, as we've seen in, in more recent matches of his. Um, Bret Hart is absolutely superb as the american hating canadian hero heart foundation leader gimmick yeah i mean that that whole heart foundation was was one of the the best at this time owen hart really kind of found his voice uh instead of being brett's younger brother Mm -hmm. he was uh the 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 cocky snad heel and even british bulldog uh this was some of his best work i mean i i love everything that the British Bulldogs have done, uh, but this kind of like uh, anti-American um, uh, character, I thought was some of his, some of his very, very best work. I, I, I loved everything about this year. It was the, it was the most invested in wrestling that I've been uh, and going back and rewatching it. It really sparks them, them kind of memories again. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and then sort of at the top of the card, like I said, the, the moving parts with, with Brett as champion, he's just won it off The Undertaker at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sean was a part of that happening. Mm-hmm. You're ultimately going to end up with Brett defending against Sean at Survivor Series, and we all know yes. what happens there in Montreal. Before Austin is still hugely popular, this this, this groundswell of support for this sort of anti-hero character of Austin, building for the rumble in 98, which she then wins and goes on to wrestle Sean at WrestleMania. Just so many moving parts, but they all seem to be moving in, in unison in the right direction. It, I think it's the whole period is so well booked and so well put together. If that makes sense. Yeah. And, and there's so many legitimate big stars who, who should be at the top of the card. I mean, we, we, uh, especially on wrestling twitter nowadays clamor for our favorites to be at the top uh and it that doesn't necessarily translate to how big of a star they are in in the grand scheme of wrestling but at this time undertaker bret hart austin Shawn michaels were all huge huge stars and all them kind of in the mix for the for this uh for this uh tile picture it made for some really interesting storylines and um it's it's the it's no surprise why this was one of the hottest periods that we've ever had in wrestling yeah definitely 
Um, Sean's entrance here has to be seen to be understood. <laughs> he he waits and waits and waits and waits before coming out. Um, I don't know. Perhaps I don't know. He, he wanted, perhaps he was doing it intentionally to build up suspense. Perhaps mm-hmm. Sonny hadn't finished him off yet. I don't know. But he waits and waits and waits and waits before coming out. He has his little dance, um, but it's just so arrogant and so mm-hmm. conceited. I think he actually spits at the crowd at one stage, maybe, or give, yeah. mimics like he's going to or something. And he does the, the DX chop to quite a few of the, the crowd and, and singles people out. It got to a point where he took his time so much that they had to restart his music because mm-hmm. they'd gone through the whole track, which you very re- rarely happen. And that was actually really jarring because it's not it doesn't flow straight into itself. It, it's literally a dead stop and then restart. Uh, yeah, yeah he, he was at his smarmy, smarmy best. Um, the issue being we now know that this wasn't a character. This was him being this person. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I, I recommend, I mean, I hope that when people listen to the show, they've gone back on, on the WWE network or wherever they find their wrestling and had a little look at the matches we're going to discuss um, just so they can kind of follow along. Um, if not, I strongly suggest you go back and have a little look at Shawn Michaels entrance here, because it, there's so many stories about his attitude in this period. Yeah. And obviously the whole Montreal thing and, and the way he was behaving contributed hugely to that. This one little snippet here, this entrance by Shawn Michaels here, is just like a little window into that to see exactly how this guy was. I mean, his pyro is late going off behind him when he does his sort of bicep pose. And he he's, he's reacts with that and plays along with that. And I, I think... Yes, arrogant. Yes, conceited. Yes, smarmy. Yes, you want to punch him in the freaking face. But, oh, my God, this guy is so good at just being a dick. Yeah, he absolutely had the it factor. Um, and we can we can debate his, uh, his backstage politics all day long, but when it came to being in front of the cameras, he was money. It was absolute money. He knew how to play his role to perfection. Exactly. Um, the match starts with Shawn Michaels effectively hiding behind the ref for quite a bit <laughs> and running away. And, and again, it's just, I think Shawn is... Poor, uh, poor Mark Kiyoda. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think my, my 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 opinions and thoughts on Shawn Michaels are quite, quite well known if you've heard mm-hmm. me on any of the chain wrestling shows, my other shows, wherever. Shawn is, or was, my guy. I thought he was superb. Uh, he, as a heel... In the early 90s, I thought this guy looked cool. I had no fashion taste. I didn't know what the hell I was looking at. He had a blonde mullet and a white leather jacket, and I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. You know, it was... <laughs> um, the comeback... Sean was my guy. I thought, he's my favourite of all time, along with Ric Flair. Just mm-hmm. absolutely think Sean is superb. Here, I think he is fantastic. Yeah. The way that he sells for The Undertaker, the way he's running from The Undertaker and hiding behind the ref, which forces the referee then to, sorry, the forces The Undertaker just to punch the ref in the chops to get him out of the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which was great. I enjoyed that. Um, and then he uses the referee as well, doesn't he, The Undertaker? He uses the referee as a weapon and throws him at Shawn Michaels. Yeah, uh, that's after Shawn Michaels has said to uh, Vince McMahon, I'm done. Look what's this, look what's just happened. I'm not having this match. I'm going, uh, and then he gets to the the entrance ramp and uh, commissioner slaughter. 
is there and he's essentially forcing Shawn Michaels back into the ring, uh, which I thought was uh, a brilliant twist. It kind of reminded me of a recent episode of uh, uh, Grilling with JR where he mentioned about um, Jerry Lawler being able to get a 45-minute match out of essentially doing the, the bare minimum. And for the first... 10 minutes of oh, maybe 10 minutes is a stretch but for the first for the opening few minutes mm-hmm. there is there is no contact between the two but you are literally at the end edge of your seat because of of how well the the the, the two wrestlers are, are, are telling a story of, of sean being a coward and undertaker baying for sean's blood yeah exactly it's, it's done so well um eventually they they the take undertaker catches up with sean uh, and they sort of fight around the outside for quite a while max don't they around the announce tables and up towards the um uh i suppose entrance way or what the, the sort of in your house set which i'm a big fan of i really like the look of that you know yeah it throws they, them into the the plant pots <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, that was something else as well uh, watching this back earlier, when he, it, there's like a couple of plants and whatnot in front of the window, isn't there? And he throws Sean into there. And I made the I made a Holy Grail, Monty Python Holy Grail reference, and went a shrubbery, you know, <laughs> thinking I was the funniest guy in the world. And my wife looked at me like I had two heads. She's like, "What yeah. are you on about? What, what yeah, are you talking right. about?" You know, <laughs> if you haven't seen a Holy Grail Monty Python film, um, go and watch it. Just so if I make that joke in the future, you'll know why I'm funny. Yeah, um, <laughs> along. Yeah, you could be one the of the cool, cool kids. kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first of what seems like a never-ending supply of replacement referees eventually arrives. Good old um, Hebner, I, I yep. believe, was the second one. Yeah, that's right. Yep, yep. Um, and again, Sean here is superb. When he arrives, he's begging Earl Hebner. He's on his knees, climbing up <laughs> Hebner's shirt. <laughs> trying to get him to just not start the match or end the match or um, disqualify the Undertaker. He just wants no part of this at all. And the fact that he's so cocky and so arrogant in his little interview before the match, and then his entrance is exactly that as well. And now the bells rang, or now now the match is like, well, well the fight is, is underway. He's behaving in this manner. It's just so good. And the crowd are lapping it up at this stage, Max, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. They were they were on fire for. I mean, it was a a relatively small arena, uh, but yeah, the crowd was absolutely hot for this, and and they had absolutely absolutely every right to to be so hot because it it was so entertaining. Uh, you could see how uh, Sean's antics was were pissing the Undertaker off more and more to the point of of him wanting to absolutely rip Sean Michaels uh, limb from limb, and there's a point where. He essentially does try to do that. Uh, he grabs hold, he gets hold of Sean's arm, and he's uh, he's lifting him up by the arm and slamming him down by the arm. Mm-hmm. And how his uh, his shoulder stayed attached was beyond me. He really gave him a, a beating with that arm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Lawler actually says on commentary, doesn't he? He's trying to rip off Sean's arm and beat him to death. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, um, but then when the match actually officially starts, I guess. Um, Sean kind of takes control for a few minutes, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Which again, I but, think it's brilliant storytelling. It's really well done. Yeah, and he uses the the, the same kind of tactics where he uh, hides behind the referee, and when he gets he spots an opening, he uh, takes out the Undertaker's knee, uh, mm-hmm. which which works. And once you've got uh, Undertaker grounded, you're taking away the the biggest part of his of his arsenal. Uh, it's just a 
for sure, unfortunately for Sean, he wasn't able to to keep him down for for long periods of time. But we we see like the the kind of uh, the the calling cards of Shawn Michaels. We get the 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 flying elbow and attempts at switching music and stuff like that until it starts to get schmozzy uh, a little bit um, when uh, we see uh, Rick Rude uh, making his way down and. Uh, he uh, he tosses some uh, brass knuckles to Shawn Michaels. Yeah, yeah. I mean, first of all, that top rope elbow by Shawn Michaels is so good, isn't it? Yeah, it's I-, I love watching Shawn. Arguably, top three uh, uh, in the in uh, top rope elbows for me. I think uh, my favorite is probably Carrie Sane. Mm. Uh, then the classic um, uh, Macho Man, and then probably Shawn Michaels. Uh, see, I think Shawn's top for me, mate. Oh well, you're biased. So oh yeah, I am biased because I love Shawn Michaels. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that I took away from this is when he climbs up the the Undertaker is on the mat, obviously in, the, in position to take the top rope elbow. When Shawn goes through the ropes and starts climbing up the turnbuckle, I'm looking. I'm thinking he's going to the wrong corner, isn't he? Because he looks like he's going to a corner further away than he needs to be. It's quite a distance. Mm-hmm. from that corner to where the Undertaker is. And I'm thinking, oh, is he actually going to make that? And he does. And I, I think it's that. It looks. It looked brilliant, I thought. It did. Yeah, absolutely did. Um, yeah, and then Rude arrives, and, and we have the brass knucks. Um, but Taker kicks out after Sean's hit him with the with the knuckle duster to quite a good reaction from the crowd, mm-hmm. um, which then leads Sean Michaels to kick another referee, because why the hell not? You know? <laughs> And and then we get Triple H and China coming down, who uh, they bring a referee of their own uh, uh-huh. to to help out, which still doesn't uh, doesn't get the pin for Shawn Michaels. No. And then to to add stank to that, Triple H is obviously not happy with that referee for not uh, not getting the three count, so he decks that referee. So that's what three, four referees now been brought into the match and all of them have took a whooping. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sean is obviously the undertaker has this big, almighty, strong, powerful character. Just lost the world title. Um, top of his game, really, I suppose in 97, Sean's selling the fear and the power of the undertaker. So well, he needs to get, what eventually becomes Degeneration X, doesn't it? Very, very, yeah. very soon. Yeah. In Rude, Triple H and China down to help him out. He brings his, his friends down because he obviously can't get the job done on his own. Um, kind of similar, Mags, to Hulk Hogan, who couldn't <laughs> get the job done on his own at WrestleMania 7. So he called in his friends, the Ultimate Warrior, to help you him are... save the world you, in SummerSlam 91. You prematurely ejaculated there, sir. <laughs> you... <laughs> Uh, maybe one day we'll talk about that. That <laughs> wonderful star and a quarter match. Well, <laughs> um, a little bit more of referee bashing we have because Sean ends up helping our Hebner up, doesn't he? I'm thinking, okay, good move, Sean. You want to win the match, you need a referee. That, that's sensible, yeah. isn't it? You know, so he's helping Earl Hebner up. He's dusting him down. He's checking him, making sure he's okay. And he just just literally wangs him into the turnbuckles. <laughs> that, that was brilliant. It was, yeah. I love that. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Mags was over my shoulder watching it whilst it happened. And, um, God love her. She, she's not a huge wrestling fan, uh, but she knows the, the big players. Uh, and she was providing uh commentary that only uh, a non-wrestling fan can can give and she was saying why has he done that that's ridiculous you need that referee that referee is there to help you win the match and yeah 
Oh, you poor, you poor innocent lamb. Do you not know that this is scripted? <laughs> you poor innocent lamb. <laughs> you have lamb with uh, petite peas, don't you? We have... <laughs> um, the Undertaker then gets hold of the knuckle duster, or the brass knucks, or however you want to describe it, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And... I mean, just before we get there, uh, there is one point that uh, tends to happen every time we get a, a Shawn Michaels match. We get a bit of Shawn Michaels' arse. Yeah. Uh, when Undertaker drags him back in the ring uh, by his tarts, uh, which um, Mrs. Mags again um, rather enjoyed that that part. Uh, but yeah, then we get Taker reaching into Shawn Michaels' tarts for those uh, knuckle dusters, clocks Shawn Michaels with him, um, still doesn't get the pin. No, he reached inside Michael's tights there and he had to push aside uh, Sonny's false nails that she'd left down there. <laughs> oh. um, <laughs> first thing he... Oh, first that thing was a brave, back. brave time to put your hand down Shawn Michael's oh, pants. That, right. That's like Chlamydia City. <laughs> Chlamydia City. <laughs> I think that's just outside Treadworth in Gloucester. <laughs> <laughs> it's just down the road from me. It's just the other side of the estate. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, Undertaker uses the the knuckle duster, and Sean barely, barely kicks out of that, doesn't he? And, and the worst, I mean, I understand uh, Earl was selling being uh, thrown into a turnbuckle, but it was the worst slow three count known to man. He he, he counts the one with one uh, one arm, kind of like stumbles and nearly falls over, even though he's on his hands and knees anyway. Uh, Gets the two with the, the 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 other arm, and then goes back to the original arm for the three, uh, giving Sean ample time to be able to kick out. He could have kicked out three or four times uh, by the time Earl did this uh, this this um, count, and for that he received a chalk slam for for being uh, to, for being a slow counter. Yeah, another referee. I mean, I, I believe what, what we are now, 46, 47 referees have been <laughs> butchered in this contest. Um, and yet the match still carries on until our 49th referee, or whatever it is at this stage, Jim White, I think his name is. Tim, um, Tim, White. Tim White. Tim White, yeah, sorry. The, uh, the, the referee that tried to kill himself multiple times in the lunchtime suicides. Ah, uh, see, I'm not... people talk about that, and I must have seen it before. And if I go back and watch it, it'll probably remind me. But off the top of my head, I can't remember those. But I hear people talking about it. I'm going to have to check it out, I think. It's, it's not very tasteful, from what I can gather. <laughs> I mean, you don't. It, it clearly doesn't kill himself. But uh, mm. it's they're funny. They are hilarious. Uh, Josh Matthews plays his part really well. Uh, I think you can find there's like a compilation video of them all on, on, on YouTube. So, yeah, stick it in your YouTube uh, search machine and... Uh, look for the lunchtime suicides and you'll find them there. Uh, one of my favourites is when uh, he tries to uh, kill himself with rat poison uh, right? and then falls off his chair. <laughs> okay. I'll have a look for it. I'll check it out later. Um, Tim White basically waves it off at this stage, doesn't he? He's decided enough's enough yeah. with China, Rude, Triple H, um, all the fighting on the outside, 48 referees being murdered by various competitors, chair shots, um, Sean at one stage having hold of the ring bell, brass knuckles. Uh, Tim White decided, you know what? I think this is enough now. We're yeah. probably going to stop I mean, it. It, there, it was brave him because he stayed in the ring as well, even after he called, called the match off, um, knowing that 
a lot of his uh, his work colleagues have been filled in. Mm. Um, he decided to stick it out and 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 get the the bell rung a couple of times, and then we get obviously all the officials who come out, uh, which is a, a regular thing in WWE. And then you see something that you don't see a lot of. It's the actual wrestlers come out to kind of like uh, stop undertaker uh from being able to attack uh what would become dx uh it was really weird seeing uh the sultan who obviously is rikisha yeah in in his mask but wearing a tracksuit that really kind of threw me uh i mean i remember it obviously but yeah uh, seeing it again it's like it's a weird visual scene uh rikisha with his leather mask and and a a multicolored bright tracksuit yeah but that's what they should be doing yeah. I'm a firm believer that if you wear a mask in wrestling, you should wear it all the time. You know, so like you're popping out down the shop to get a pint of milk, <laughs> you wear your mask. Yeah. That's the way it should be. Kane, right now, I'm disgusted that he's not, you know, mayor of Knoxville or whatever it is, wearing a mask. He should be because that's his gimmick. You know, I don't care. And it's not, it's not, it's not for your career. It's for life. Masks are for life. You know, not just for pandemics. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got a note here that. I forget how much it annoys me until I come across it each time that it, that it happens. And that's when you're getting these kind of pull apart brawls or these segments after matches where the fighting's continued or someone's getting attacked and they keep ringing the bell. Mm-hmm. Um, like it makes the bland a bit of difference. Yeah. Like all of a sudden that they're ringing the bell and everyone's just going to go, Oh shit. Bell's ringing. Okay. Sorry, Everyone, sorry about- <laughs> everyone just take a deep breath and chill out. All right, take a step back and count to 10. You know, it's, it's just stupid. This is an unnecessary noise, and I don't know why, but it really gets me cross. <laughs> um, and then we see Flying Undertaker for what I think was the first time. Yeah, and wow, did he pull off this uh, no-hands plancher to perfection, wiped out everybody. I mean, we see this kind of move uh, on the daily now in wrestling, so it's not as, uh, as spectacular as it was back then, but a guy of of almost seven foot, 300 odd pounds to have that kind of agility. And he didn't just clear the top rope. Uh, he, did, he certainly didn't do a Drew McIntyre where he, uh, he strummed the top rope with, uh, with his uh, man parts. Taker cleared it by a long, long way and, and wiped out the, the heels. Uh, it was a brilliant, brilliant thing to watch. Yeah. It's, it's always incredible, isn't it? I, I love the Undertaker. He's freaking brilliant. Yeah. Um, and that's basically the end, Max, isn't it? That's that's kind of where, uh, where the much. show goes off off the air. Um, yeah. uh, I, I overall really enjoyed this. Um, we normally give these things a rating out of ten. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree. I really, really enjoyed it. And even though it was quite clear that this was going to be kind of the setup to um, Bad Blood, which uh, would be coming up the the month after, and, and uh, the Hell in a Cell. I still think this this stands up now uh, as a really, really good contest. And we've watched a lot of kind of older wrestling, which in today's eyes doesn't really stand up as, as well as it should. But I think mm. if you've had this match uh, in this timeline now, I think it'd still stand up really, really well. And, and for, for the fact that I loved it at the time and I still feel the, the same now, I, I've got to give this a fairly high rating. Um it wasn't a technically brilliant match. Uh, there was a lot of smudges uh, to the point of almost being too much. 
but I think it was done just enough. It kind of just skated the line for me uh, that it, there was just enough kind of like shenanigans that it didn't ruin the match. So for for all those reasons, I'm I'm quite happy to give this uh, a seven point five. Uh, okay. That's a smidge higher than what I was going to give it. Um, I've I've got seven written down here. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed Shawn Michaels' performance. I thought he made The Undertaker look absolutely superb with his own sort of fear of The Undertaker, I guess. The Undertaker looked incredible himself, pulling off the moves he was doing and, and, and obviously capitalising on the way Shawn was selling and so on. Really, really good action. Really good stuff. Kept me entertained from the moment it started until the end. The finish. Obviously, we know now in hindsight why that finish was the way it was because we're heading to Hell in a Cell and the debut of uh, Kane and, and all those fun and games. But still, to me, if there's no finish on a wrestling match I'm watching as a one-off, I do have to take a little bit off for that okay, because I want to I want to see a, a, a conclusive winner. So I think a seven... Is 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 pretty fair from my end, my friend. Seems seems fair to me. I mean, we're we're not that far off in in terms of ratings anyway. So no, no, there we go. Um, I suppose the next step then is to see where the next link in the chain takes us. Um, I ask every week, and it's the same every week, but I will continue to, <laughs> Mister Mags. Do you want to go first or second, my friend? I'll go first. Okay. So we just discussed uh, Ground Zero, which was uh, like I think you mentioned it was the seventeenth in the in the in your house kind of a group of I suppose B pay per views, kind of like uh, outside the the big five, big six pay per views that, that WWE had uh, every year, and and kind of like going into the the pay per view per month kind of model. Yeah, this one went into um, three hours, didn't it? Because the in your house shows initially were like they were cheaper, and they were only like two hours, weren't they? Yeah. But this is where they're going to to three hours on a regular basis, and they eventually just get away with it and turn them into a regularly a regular pay per view every month, don't they? I think. Yeah. Well, they they, they start taking uh, the the in your house uh, kind of subtitle, and that ends up. Uh, being smaller and smaller on the pro- uh, on the yeah. promo um, uh, posters, uh, instead of uh, it being in your house, call on whatever the name is, it starts being the name of the show, call on in your house. So yeah. they're kind of like transitioning out of the in your house brand, but that uh, that brand still had a little bit of legs in it, uh, and in fact, it, it went well into the the next year. So we get to. Uh, September uh, of uh, 1998, and we've still got the the in your house uh, brand going. Uh, but this time we haven't got Ground Zero. We've got a uh, in your house breakdown, which is a uh, kind of built around uh, DX. Uh, obviously, with uh, the the song Break It Down, uh, and on this card there's actually quite a few uh, f- decentest matches. Uh, you've got a. Uh, a triple threat uh, steel cage match for to determine the number one contender for the WF title between The Rock, uh, Ken Shamrock, and Mankind. Uh, you've got uh, DX beating Jeff Jarrett and Southern Justice in a in a six man. Uh, but I'm going again to go with the the main event, and I'm going to go with uh, the Kane versus Stone Cold versus The Undertaker in a triple threat for the WF title 
in uh, in a match where the Undertaker and Kane were banned from pinning each other. And if anybody interfered on Stone Cold's behalf, uh, Stone Cold would be immediately stripped of the title. So that's the match I'm going for. Kane versus The Undertaker versus The Stone Cold from uh, Breakdown 1998. Okay. Okay, good show. Some three really big names in in WWF history. And at that time, Mm -hmm. huge, huge main eventers all in the same contest. Yeah, so. Correct. Yeah, great show. Um, I've gone a slightly different direction. <laughs> um, the, the the show that we just watched, the, the match the, um, from the show we just watched, wasn't the title match despite going on last. Mm-hmm. Uh, this apparently upset Bret Hart a little bit, and he had a little whinge and a moan about it, as Bret Hart tends to do. I love Bret Hart, but the more you hear about him around this time period, the more you realise he was a little bit of a whingy bitch. But anyway, <laughs> he he <laughs> he was wrestling... Uh, Del Wilkes, the Patriot for the WWF title. And that was just before the Shawn Michaels Undertaker match we're talking about today. Um, the Patriot is really interesting to me. The fact that he's, he, you know, in the WWF here, he's using Kurt Angle's music. Uh, obviously, it was his music first, don't get me wrong, but it ends up being Kurt Angle's music. Yeah. Um, he's a masked wrestler. In very much a sort of luchador style mask, but he's covered in the USA colors and so on. Um, and he spent most of his time wrestling in Japan and smaller companies dotted around. But he had a great look, a pretty good gimmick, I suppose, maybe a touch dated, but a pretty good gimmick as well. And he was pretty decent in the ring also. So the, the Patriot for me, his whole career, especially the, the drug addiction and so on as well, it, I think it's a really interesting story. Um, also in the Patriots' career, he was actually the first um, TV world champion, I believe the title is called, I'll have to look that up, uh, for the Global Wrestling Federation, a company which ran for a few years in the early 90s, um, had some had some shows with the USWA, uh, ran by Eddie Gilbert, I think. Uh, Bruce Pritchard was involved down there for a very short time when he was uh, been sacked on one of the multiple occasions by the WWF. Mm-hmm. And you had all sorts of wrestlers go through there. Mick Foley went through there. Steve Austin went through there. Jarrett was really prominent there. Um, I thought, just as a complete change of pace, Max, that we would have a look at a match from the Global Wrestling Federation, with the Patriot being the link, because he was quite a mainstay in the early years of that company and the first TV champion. Um, It's on the network. It's May the 6th, 1991, uh, in the Territories tab and so on, find the GWF, Global Wrestling Federation. Um, May the 6th, 1991, on the network. And it's a Tennessee street fight between Jeff Jarrett and Robert Fuller. And they are facing stunning Steve Austin and Dr. Tom Pritchard. Um, I've never seen this before. Uh, I'm not sure how many people listening will have seen this. But I thought it's just a little change of pace. We we popped into ECW. Um, The chain sort of took us through ECW a couple of weeks back. We're we're back with WWF, WCW in recent times. I thought let's have a little look at something completely left wing. Something completely out, out there that we've not ventured to before. So using the Patriot from the same in your house show as the watch we've just watched as our link we're going to go back to 1991 may the 6th 
episode of Global Wrestling Federation TV and Jeff Jarrett with Robert Fuller versus Steve Austin and Dr. Tom Pritchard in a Tennessee street fight. Interesting. Uh, appealing to maybe the uh, the more hardcore uh, wrestling fans of, of, of our listener base. Uh, it doesn't matter anyway. They're going to vote for you. I was just going to say, <laughs> uh, I wonder how close uh, you'll get to still being second place with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so arrogant. That's horribly arrogant. That's Sean Michaels' level of arrogance. Bought for Simon's now on purpose for me being that arrogant. <laughs> no, I mean that's the thing as well. It's it's great. Sort of, I never know what you're going to put forward. We we never discuss this ahead mm-hmm. of time. Um, I never know what you're going to put forward. So I never know what my pick is going up against. So sometimes when you put your pick forward, I'm like, oh, Streif. I'd actually rather watch that than my own one. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> I'm absolutely the same with your picks. So, yeah, uh, there we go. Those are your choices. We have the main event from the September 1998 In Your House Breakdown show. Um, Kane versus The Undertaker versus Steve Austin in a triple threat match for the WWF title with numerous added stipulations there too, sort of a very much stacking the deck against Steve Austin here, mm-hmm. or we have the Tennessee street fight from um, global champion, uh, sorry, global wrestling federation, um, May the 6th, 1991 episode between Jeff Jarrett and Robert Fuller. And they are facing stunning Steve Austin and Dr. Tom Pritchard. The poll as always will be up within an hour to a day of the show being released by the wonderful people at the network that do that for us. Uh, Mags, I suppose the only thing left now is for you to let everyone know whereabouts they can find you online. Okay, so you can find me uh, on the Twitters at DJ Kirby, where I am currently whinging and mourning about the death of uh, of football. Uh, so join in, mock me for it uh, because I, I probably deserve it. But yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter; it's always a good time. Okay, um, you can find me at SJP Words, um, and you can find the show at Chain underscore Wrestling, where you can listen to our episodes and vote in the vote in the polls, and also look out for our non wrestling topic of the week. I suppose uh, at Chain underscore Wrestling. I'm off now to buy some chipotle sauce to eat <laughs> with my petite peas. So, Magsy, I will speak to you next week, my friend. Pop your uh...